that verse about just whatever we do, do all the glory of God. And I think that God has planted, I know that God has planted us. Um, some of us he's planted in, in, in churches and in ministry circles where we're mostly around believers, but other people he has absolutely planted in the workplace and in the secular workplace um, for us to be light. And, you know, I go back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And that's a collective salt and a collective light. It's not just individual. We're to do this as the church and as the body. But each of us needs to be our contribution to that salt and to that light. Welcome to the Women in Work podcast, the show that inspires you to confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. I'm Courtney Moore. And I'm Missy Branch. We want to introduce you to women who, through their own unique vocations, are seeing what they do make an eternal difference. And we pray these conversations will inspire you in your own calling to honor God, to image Him to the world through your work, and to leverage your potential for His glory. Thank you so much for joining us today. Listeners, it is such a good day. We are so happy um, to, to be back here on the next episode of the Women in Work podcast. Missy and I are thrilled to introduce you um, to our next guest. We have with us today, Kelly Minter. Kelly, welcome to the show. Hey, thank you all so much for having me. We so are excited, excited to be here. Love having you here today. Um, listeners, let me tell you guys a little bit about Kelly. She is an author, she is a Bible teacher, and she's a podcaster. Her most recent Bible study just came out um, not too long ago with Lifeway Publishers called Encountering God, Cultivating Habits of Faith Through the Spiritual Discipline. So we're going to chat with her about that in a minute. She also speaks around the country. She works closely also with Justice and Mercy International in the Amazon jungles of Brazil. And she also heads over to Eastern Europe from time to time to work in the country of Moldova. So Kelly, you just, you're all over the place. <laughs> well, some, yes, a little, it's, it's good. It's keeps things exciting. I'm actually heading to the Amazon in a few days. So awesome. Um, yeah, but I haven't been in, in, you know, about 11 months or something. So it will be good to get back there. All right. So Kelly's also deeply passionate about teaching the Bible. She really believes it permeates all of life. And her love for the Word of God led her, her to create Cultivate Event. It's an event created, created and centered around scripture, worship, prayer, and mission. So she's also the host of the Cultivate podcast, a weekly podcast where she walks through scripture with her listeners, which I heard about through K-Love, just driving down the road, listening to K-Love. And I'm like, what? Kelly Mentor's got a podcast? So that was fun to hear your name on K-Love. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So when she's not writing, traveling, or speaking, she's enjoying time in her garden, cooking, being with her friends and family. She's a Southern transplant, which I'm curious to hear about. And she delights in long walks, her local church meaningful conversation and coffee um, in her favorite Justice and Mercy International mug. So cheers to the coffee this morning. <laughs> there you go. Absolutely. We got to have it. So glad to have you on and just can't wait to learn more about um, the call of God on your life and, and all the things you're doing. Yes. Okay. But before we do that, Courtney and I like to start each podcast cast off with what we call rapid fire questions. They're fun, just a fun way to get to know you. So I'm going to start us off. Okay. So the okay. first question is, as a kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? 
I wanted to be a, well, it, you know, it changed. It went in and out a little bit, but I, I wanted to be a basketball coach. So I oh, played really? sports. And so I loved, I loved playing sports. And so I thought that that would be a really cool thing to be a basketball coach. I mean, I think that was one phase that I thought I could really <laughs> you know, shine. I at. love that. Um, yeah. <laughs> Courtney and I are unofficially keeping records of the answers to this question. We've never had that one. We've never had that one. Yeah, no, I'm sure. Uh, I love it. Yeah. Yes. So So we did have a professional soccer player um, that we interviewed. We interviewed Jaylene Daniels. She's really our only athlete. So now we've got two athletes on the show. So this is great. Awesome. Well, I'm way former and not professional in any way. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So what was your first job? Um, a basketball coach. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, yeah, right when I um, graduated high school, I was going to school locally, college locally, and I coached at the high school I graduated from. So that was like my first job. And then, um, I substitute taught a little bit that year as well. And so it was crazy. I was one year out of high school. I was like, <laughs> um, I was like listen up, you people. You um, no, but, and then there were a couple of people that, that I knew from church who owned their own businesses. And then I started assisting them in their own businesses, which was ended up being such a providential thing because I've been running my own business, so to speak, for my whole life. Um, and so I learned from them just being around them, it was like, there were certain things that just became second nature, like things you just learned how to do and things that you, and watching them not always know what they were doing, but Mm -hmm. just figuring it out. They were, it was two women, both super successful, Mm -hmm. worked out of their homes, had these amazing businesses. And I was like a gopher, but then, um, one, well, really both in particular really taught me like QuickBooks and, uh, you know, managing things online. I, I will never forget the first time um, one company was pretty big. We had a meeting with these these um, these two men came over to the house to talk to us about, they really felt pretty confident that in the near future, people were going to be able to take credit cards over the internet and <laughs> they were going to be able to like sell our product. And it was like, yeah, I don't know. This seems a little much, you know, And but I was, but she had me in that meeting. So I remember wow. it was really cool. Like I learned a lot and yeah. now all of that has just helped me my whole life because I had it modeled to me wow. how to run your own little company, you know? Yeah, so. I love that. That's awesome. So let's talk about this last question. <laughs> this is one of my favorites. What kind of work do you want to be doing when you're 80 years old? Ooh, <laughs> I want to be doing the work I'm doing right now. Yes. Um, writing. I don't think I want to be p- traveling as much, maybe. Mm-hmm. Well, I hope I, I hope I can always travel. I hope I always can. I just, mm-hmm. but I, if I could be writing in my 80s and teaching the Bible and gardening and spending time with my nieces and nephews who would be mm-hmm. in their 60s, I guess. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> um, or maybe 50s. Um, but yeah, that'd be... That'd be awesome. Okay. So you mentioned you were a Southern transplant. So where did you actually grow up? And and then just tell us where have you mostly lived your adult life and how did you come to faith in, in Jesus Christ? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I grew up in Northern Virginia, which Virginia is the South, but Northern mm-hmm. Virginia is not. So right. Northern Virginia is DC and it really right. is kind of like the tail end of the North in my mm-hmm. mind. And so we were very, like, it was very DC Metro, you know, fast paced. Mm-hmm. 
And then, um, so I lived there for 25 years. And then when I was 25, I moved to Nashville and I've been in Nashville ever since. I won't tell you how long I've been there. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. I mean, I can tell you I've been here, I've been here 21 years. So, um, so anyway, puts me at 36 for those yes, of you. Yes, I did the math. math. 36, <laughs> I like it. I like it. Um, but that, yeah, so I, 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 but Nashville was a lot more, uh, I mean, it's still the South for sure, but it, it is, you know, probably tripled in size since I moved here 21 mm-hmm. years. It's a completely different city in a lot of respects. Um, so that was, that's that um, change. And then those are the only two places I've lived. Praise God. I love that. I don't like change. So this wow. works me. <laughs> and, um, and I came to faith in Christ at an early age. I don't remember a day or time. Um, I, my parents started a church in Northern Virginia 47 years ago, 48 wow. years ago, wow. and uh, just retired. My parents just retired. And, um, and so, and actually moved to Nashville, which has been fun. But <laughs> I, they, I just grew up in the faith and of course made it my own over the years. But that's, that's how I came to faith in Christ. Wow. Okay, well, we know you, I know you, the way I was introduced to you was as a, um, a writer and an incredible Bible teacher, mm-hmm. And but you, you moved to Nashville to begin your career in a whole different way, and mm-hmm. this is interesting to me because my husband is a recording artist, oh, so... Cool. Like that whole world and that process yeah. is very, and just the creativity of it is very interesting. Mm-hmm. But you are a recording artist. Can mm-hmm. you tell us about that? Tell us about well, those was, was, was. Well, <laughs> I mean, but you have recorded, so yeah, yeah. you are yeah. a recording oh, artist. You, you okay, get to wear right. that. That is awesome. Okay, yeah. But how did you realize that, um, one, that you were that gifted? Because, you know, sometimes mom will make you think you can sing and then you're like, not really. Yeah. But how did you know that you were actually that gifted? And then how did the switch from pursuing that to doing mm-hmm. what you're doing now happen? Yeah. Well, I don't know that I knew I was gifted as much as I wanted it. Um, mm. So, but when I, I actually lost a basketball scholarship in my senior year of high school through a lot of different things that wasn't, <clears throat> didn't have to do with me, but just with the school okay. and okay. all these things fell apart in May of my senior year. And so that's why I ended up commuting to college because I thought I was going away to school and I ended up okay. commuting college or commuting, sorry, commuting to college. And, um, and it was really disappointing for me and really just a difficult time. And so I ended up picking up the guitar. I mean, I played a little bit, but I ended up kind of going that to that for solace. Mm-hmm. And that was right around the time when I feel like quote unquote contemporary Christian music was mm-hmm. like worship music was happening. Like mm-hmm. our church was still like in the hymnals, like take out your hymnal and turn to page, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it had just started shifting to like worship bands and the guitar and stuff like that. So I, I met people from the church that were, had a little band in their basement. So I'd go over there and play and I just loved it. And I loved mm-hmm. pushing contemporary music at the time, like back in the, you know, uh, really nineties probably, and just loved some of the songwriting that was coming out and some of the artists. And so I was like, that's what I want to do. I want to be a singer songwriter. Mm-hmm. And I really gave myself to it, uh, s- signed with word records mm-hmm. years ago, um, moved to town and got dropped right away. They, they, uh, sold, they got bought out by a big company and that new company came in and dropped the vast majority of their new artists. So my record came out, but it was it was like within six months I was gone. And so that was devastating. And then signed another record deal. It did well on that record 
uh, label, but then it went bankrupt (laughs) and then signed another one. And it just, it was just this long, it was like an eight, nine year kind of just really hard, hard season. Um, and in the middle of all of that, God, um, began to open up doors for me to, to, uh, write books. And, and so I wrote a book and then that got me connected to Lifeway. And then I wrote my first Bible study for Lifeway. And then it was just like the difference between God's favor on one versus the other was so just pronounced. Mm -hmm. Um, Like everything that I touched, you know, turned to ash in the music business. (laughs) And then... And then the things that like in the Bible study world, it was like stuff was working, you know, right. that yeah. makes sense. It was just like, oh gosh, this surprise, this did better than we thought. And boy, this turned out better than we had hoped. And we were well. And that was the exact opposite in the music, oh you know. Goodness, music, man. everything was like, I've never seen anything fail this badly. You know? <laughs> um that's so that was where, you know, it's like God. But God, you could argue though that that in that in all of that thwarting and even all that disappointment that God was just as active in that. Mm-hmm. Um, God was just as active in the, the, the disappointments and the thwarting of that and in the refining mm-hmm. and in the sanctifying as he was in the, Hey, this is working. So I think, I think that's an important distinction for people who are like in a hard time. It's not necessarily that like, Oh, I'm in a hard time. God's punishing me. I need to get to that place where he's going to start blessing me. It's like it, whether he's disciplining us and pruning us or we're in the season of fruit bearing, I think as long as we're being obedient to him, both are actual blessings. Both are his mm-hmm. activity and his participation, but they feel really different. And mm-hmm. um, and I, there were definitely things that the Lord was working out in me. I mean, there was definitely like true discipline, I think, during that season um, for me. But but I, I, I see his hand now back mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Um, even though it was just a painful time. So yeah, that's how awesome. I made so the- when that was happening, did you have the wisdom? Cause you were pretty young then too. Did you feel yeah. like, could you discern? Oh, wow. Okay. Like how were you mature enough at that time to say, okay, this is God doing this and I'm going to trust him. Or, or were you just crushed with disappointment? I'm just thinking there are women yeah. right now listening who are, yeah probably in that same season where they really thought and were pushing forward in some mm-hmm. career or even um, some just maybe something they always thought would be right. Yeah. And then it's like, no. So, so how would, what advice would you, how would you help them say, no, 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 let's um, trust the Lord really in that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it was both. I feel like I was totally crushed with disappointment and and it wasn't just the music business that you know, everybody knows that when one really big thing in your life isn't going well, it bleeds over. So it was like that affected my finances. It affected my emotional kind of stability. It affected my relationships. It just, it it was like a permeating and, and vice versa. It was just all a hard season. And it was very disappointing. Um, I think on my, I I fought to trust the Lord. I fought Mm -hmm. to surrender, um, my dreams and my passions to him. I fought to be obedient in a season that I wanted to just say, forget everybody. I'm going to do whatever the heck I want to do. Um, because 
I am miserable and I just want to feel better and I'm mad. And um, so I had to fight for obedience. I had to fight for, you know, finding people in the church community to <clears throat> encourage me, to help me, to pray over me. Um, it's actually how No Other Gods came to be, which was my very first Bible study, all on idolatry. Because this whole season, wow. basketball, music, all, it was all, wow. you know, putting my hope in people, things, hmm. dreams, money, all that. Which, you know, is never, you never <laughs> like it. But, <laughs> but I, so it was a fight. It was a fight, uh, which I think sanctification is. For sure. I think that's the thing is I think we sometimes like we're in our worship services and we're singing these songs which I think are good songs, but these like immediate kind of like, you know, free me, let the chains break. And, you know, sometimes that happens, but most of the times those chains are breaking over slow, intermittent decisions of obedience, right? Progressively, yeah. Progressive. And then you look back a year later and you're like, oh, those chains are no longer on me. Mm. Um, But it did it. It was maybe link by link, you know? Um, So I think for me, um, it was a, it was a slog. It was a fight. But there were also definite moments in that whole journey where I recognized that, yes, God's hand is in this. God is thwarting my path here for a reason. And it, and mm-hmm. it, it, we got to the point where it was just almost laughable. Like it really was. I mean, I had a, I tell this story a lot, but I had a manager at the time who had managed some of the biggest acts in Christian music. And she took me to dinner one night and she bought me a really like nice steak dinner. I mean, things were going terribly. But I think she genuinely loved me and cared for me. And she looked at me and she goes, Kelly, I've never seen anything not work this much. And so it was like in her mind, all the ingredients were there for success and nothing worked. And so nothing was working. And so I think that there were, there was enough understanding of, okay, Lord, you must be in this. You must be, you know, turning me on some level. So to answer your question, it was both. I was super disappointed. And at the same time, I was like fighting for like, okay, yes, Lord, I think you're in this. And now in hindsight, I look back and I'm like, oh my gosh, he was, he was actually in many ways pulling me off the Titanic. I mean, it's so nice that it was so clear. Right. right. Like you, maybe yeah, you I mean, weren't stuck in a long time. Okay. Yes. Okay. Um, well, I will say Kelly, you weren't complete. Like it wasn't as bad to me. I mean, I was introduced to you through your music. I mean, when, um, your album, good day, I, I have a distinct memory a court, 20 years old in my little Plymouth neon silver driving down I-65 with my little sunroof pullback singing, yeah, singing good day. I had my hands yeah, up yeah. through that sunroof, just praising your <laughs> music. So, um, yeah. you served me Kelly back in the day. Well, thank you. <laughs> I thank also you. think that it, your story is really helpful for women who are experiencing closed doors right now Yeah, because mm-hmm. the closed doors sometimes just get slammed in your face and you're like, okay, mm-hmm. that was obvious. Mm-hmm. And other times you're just watching it slowly start to come towards you yeah and you're like I think this door is closing uh-huh. and how do I prepare for that and how, mm-hmm. what, how should I be thinking through that and so your experience is helpful for a mm-hmm. lot of people because closed doors happen and it doesn't mm-hmm. mean that God is not good or faithful but it happens yes right so it's good well you have written praise God that that door closed because you've written a lot of Bible studies that have blessed a lot of people. Mm -hmm. I have a connection with Lifeway. So I've had the privilege of really being able to get access, get my hands on your, your Bible studies and to go through some of them. And I love to hand them out to women on this campus. Um, But you've led women through the book 
books of Nehemiah, through Ruth, through the life of Joseph, and many others. And your most recent one is called Encountering God, Cultivating Habits of Faith Through the Spiritual Disciplines, which ladies, go get it. Uh, Courtney, show notes. We got to have it in there. <laughs> got it. Um, but my question for you is, can you share with us the heart behind this particular study and the disciplines women can expect to learn from it? Yeah. So uh, so the spiritual disciplines, I think that there is a hunger <clears throat> in our culture right now to get back to some of the ancient practices, some of the things that are tried and true. You know, obviously, our culture is so like immediate, instant now, we're looking for quick fixes. But I think that there's a realization <laughs> yeah. that uh, quick fixes are few and far between and that um, we want we want what's true and what's tested. And <clears throat> the spiritual disciplines have been being practiced for 2,000 years. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we're, and, and some of them have been practiced way longer, thousands of years. I mean, you think of whether it's worship or even study of, of scripture, um, a prayer. I mean, you're talking thousands of years. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think um, it, what I what I set out to do in this Bible study was not necessarily, um, it wasn't necessarily like, how do you do the spiritual disciplines as much as it was a study on them through scripture. So it's like Great. tracing uh, the study of God's word through scripture, tracing prayer through his word, tracing worship, rest, simplicity, generosity, um, finding these spiritual disciplines and rooting them in scripture. Cause I think sometimes we, they're almost like rooted in our founding fathers or in our, you know, or not, not America's mm -hmm. founding fathers, but like, I know um, what you're saying wrong yes. uh, terminology there, but yeah, like, I know what you're the, you know, the early church fathers, church fathers. And, uh, yes, you know, and so, um, I think that, to, to, to really go to scripture and see and why those, you know, early church fathers were practicing these things was helpful. So that's kind of what, what I was uh, attempting to do. And, and I think what I'm excited about what ended up happening is I feel like for new believers, encountering God serves as kind of a primer, like an introduction oh, to like all great. of the practices of just what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, really. And then, but for seasoned believers, I've heard and and it it was for me too in this way that it was a good refresher like oh yes. yes that yes this is why i need to have this practice of worship or why i do in this cult in this culture where we're just more is more and you know mm. we want more 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 why simplicity and pairing back is really a biblical principle and a helpful principle so it's really a discipleship uh book i mean every practice is really just about how do we as dallas willard would put it how do we become apprentices of jesus mm. and i love that terminology because we're really just we want to be like him and the yes. spiritual disciplines help us be like him and they you know i don't know how many of you guys like to exercise or whatever but um one of my friends down the street has a Peloton and yes, I thought okay. I was going to hate that thing. I was like, I don't want people talking to me and yelling at me and I don't really like biking. Well, anyway, I love it. And the reason I love it is because I get on it and I know like if I'm going to take a 30 minute class, I know if I just do what they tell me to do for 30 minutes, I'm going to get off and I'm going to be healthier. I'm going to feel better mm -hmm. and I'm done. I don't have to think about it. And it's a discipline. Right. But that to me is what the spiritual disciplines are. But for something that is not temporary, like our bodies, it's, it's eternal. Whereas it's like, I know I may not feel like praying today. I may not even feel like it's working or whatever. But I know that if I'm obedient to come into the presence of God 
and to tell him that my faith is in him and I'm going to walk through these prayers or I'm going to, I'm going to put it before him. I know over time that's going to change me, not because of my practice, but because he's faithful to, mm-hmm. you know, so it's like the disciplines are just putting ourselves in the way of the Lord. And I just love it because it, it it's, I think we can put the emphasis on our doing. It's not, it, it, that's not it. It's the Lord working through what he's prescribed for us. And um, so anyway, that's kind of the encountering God in a nutshell. So for you personally, is there one of the disciplines that you really find, oh, wow, when I seek the Lord in this way, I'm, I'm really encountering God in a sweet, in a sweet, in a sweet way. Does that make sense? Yes. Uh-huh. I would say there's a, there's a few, um, I would say study is a big one for mm-hmm. me. Um, Especially so Bible as a teacher, study. yeah. Yeah, and, and even just Bible meditation. Like Even if I'm not studying, but I'm just reading Scripture. Just reading like, that's yes. always a, a big one. Um, prayer is huge, and prayer is the harder one for me out of those two. Um, and so like I got a little prayer book recently. It's not right here, but um, by Ken, a guy named Ken Boa. And it's mm-hmm. called face to face, and it's just scripture. It is, oh, it is wow. just you're praying scripture. It's seven categories or eight categories every single day, and um, when I can make the time to do that, like the Peloton, I know it's going to be about a thirty minute run of prayers, you know. But if I engage my heart and really go through that, that is really helpful and productive. And I've noticed too, like when I start my morning that way. I might get to three or four in the afternoon and something will happen. Somebody will come walk in the door and I'll think, oh, I really need to be working. Or, But then I'll think back to one of the prayers, one of the scriptures. Right. And I'll think, okay, you know what? No, this is the Lord. Like I need to put my work down and sit down with this person. Or mm-hmm. um, So prayer is really huge. And then I would say generosity has really changed um, me just really taking the Lord seriously on just giving and, um, and, and giving to missions, giving to the poor, give, you know, whatever. And, and there's no, the, the great thing about generosity is I think is you can never feel like you've achieved it. So it's true. like, it's an, it's an endless layer of onion. You just, cause, cause he, God is so good to not tell us like how much, I mean, yes, you have the 10% tie from old Testament, but I think even new Testament, it's like pretty wide open right? and it's all the Lord's. And, and so, you never feel like you've arrived, but it's been the greatest blessing. And it has been a, it, it protects, I think me from that, uh, depending on my, on my money and my resources. Like if you're in that regular habit of just like, this is yours, this is yours, this is your, you know, Mm -hmm. it just keeps you from, um, falling into that trap, which is easy for all of us too. And I think I, you know, that's one of my prayers, like, Lord, help me not to depend on money and, retirement and the stock market and, you know, whatever it's. And so, um, I would say that practice has really changed me as well. That's great. I think learning to rely on the things that are common to believers throughout the generations, throughout the ages, to Mm -hmm. really recognize that these things have been faithful for generate, you know what I'm saying? Forever. Mm -hmm. And that they're trustworthy. So just praying is a trustworthy practice that we can rely on. Mm -hmm. It's a great reminder. I agree with that. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, for our listeners who feel called to write, who feel like that is a gift that they have, that is not me. I don't know how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) It is not me. I'm I'm learning, but does not. Are you a people person? 
She's great at speaking. Of, she can just say things that come oh, out of her mouth and they oh, sound genius. See, no, but see that <laughs> I, I really see, I'm not, I'm, we're opposites then. I have to like really get, I, you know, really work on teaching and, you know, all that stuff. So I love that. You just jump up there. Girl, I just say the stuff and then somebody's like, where'd you get that from? I don't know, girl. I just run my mouth. But then you say, <laughs> Missy, write this down. <laughs> I don't know. How do you say that? What? I don't know. Is that... uh, that's <laughs> but awesome. For our listeners who do feel called to write and who are gifted in that, um, even for their own church or for their women's ministry, can you share your writing process and maybe give some advice for how someone could begin or go through that as a process? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pure agony. Just no. <laughs> Okay. Well, that's good. Yeah. It's not just me then. <laughs> no, uh, pleasurable, but yeah. Um, I, so my writing process, it depends on what I'm doing. Um, mm-hmm. but I, gosh, how do, what is my process after all these years? <laughs> I would know. Well, I feel like with your um, books versus Bible studies would have a different beginning. I mean, it yeah, would be so the, different. Yes, the Bible studies are different. So I'll start, I'll say, I'll talk to the Bible studies, speak to that. I mean, I, if I know I'm going to be writing a Bible study, say on Nehemiah or something, what I try to do first before anything else is really just sit with the text. Like, mm-hmm. and so I'll get my journal out. Um, it helps me to handwrite things. You wouldn't even be able to read it. It wouldn't make any sense to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um, if I showed you some of the papers sitting around my house, you would think I needed to be institutionalized or something. But it's like, I just, <laughs> I have all this stuff that comes to my mind, but there's something about the action of writing it down with my hand. So mm-hmm. I think that's important for me anyway. But um, I'll sit with the text be like, oh, that's important. Oh, that's interesting. Hmm. I wonder why, you know, um, Nehemiah said this or and then I'll really, really sit, sit, sit. I really try to stave off getting to the commentaries or other messages or podcasts as long as I can. Mm-hmm. Because I think that um, one thing I've noticed is that when I go to a reader, I don't want to hear what they, I don't want to hear who they're quoting because exactly. then I can go to those people. I want to hear what God's doing in that, in the author's life. Now I quote a lot of people and I depend on a ton of scholars and commentaries. I get yes. there. I do yes. get there. Um, and I, it's essential. I couldn't write my studies without all of that knowledge, but I try not to always be like, just, you know, I try to let their knowledge get into me. And, and then write out, you know, and then quote the really amazing bombshell, you know, Scholars, that you, you know, right. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Um, so it, once I do that, then I start, then I get an outline together. I'm like, okay, this is a seven week study. It's five days. That's 35, you know, entries. So how I'm going to break out what is Nehemiah 11 chapters. I can't remember how I'm going to break that out. So then I start just doing the math, like where are my natural mm-hmm. points and how many verses a day am, does this break down to? And so I start playing with that. Then I start hitting commentaries. And um, one thing that I love to do is just find out like the background, like the overall. So that might not even be like, that's the commentary, but that's early on where they're talking about, you know, just culture, like, you know, all of those pieces. And so I start going there and then looking at the specific, um, you know, individual uh, verses and things. And then since being in seminary, seminary has been awesome for me because it's opened up my research. And so then I can start going to like periodicals or like articles on, you know, um, you know, might just be one chapter of like how Nehemiah dealt with the 
traitor or the people that were oppressing their own people and how he, and where yes. that came, you know, and I might go be able to find some really weird thing. And, and I, but, but I would just encourage writers that you're going to go way down deep into these places and these tunnels that most people don't care to go down <laughs> and you might spend a long time in those tunnels. And, but when you come out, make sure whatever you're going to put in your manuscript that you found back there, that it matters. And that it's right. not just like, hey, I, I had to put something in here because I spent four days <laughs> mining, you know, but, but, and really ask yourself, like, how does what I found there, what would that mean to the person today? You know, mm. what would that, and, and so that's just, yeah. And then I just start writing it. And then I rewrite it and then I rewrite it. And then you go through that whole thing where you think what you did was awesome. And then two months later, you go back to the beginning and you're like, this what? is terrible. Like, what, <laughs> what was that you were know, thinking? And, um, and then you start revising. And, and so you got to let yourself like. Does it just, take, what's kind of a typical time frame? Like if you're writing a whole Bible study, a seven week mm-hmm. study, how long does that take you? And then do you test it out on like yeah. people at your church before it's that's a great Okay. That's a great question. Yeah. So I'm usually like 10 months to a year, Okay. but that doesn't mean that I'm necessarily, that's not me sitting down for eight hours every single day. Sure. That right. means okay. that, you know, one week I'm out traveling and whatever. So, and, but then one week I'm just crushing it. And then, you know, so it's a lot of like picking up and putting down and picking up and putting down, but I'm usually 10 months to a year. Um, and then, yes, I test it. And I'm glad you asked that. That is one thing that I do with every single study. And it was a it was an editor at Lifeway that's no longer there. Um, but he, when I did my first Bible study, he encouraged that. And it was so, it, it was so changing. Like they probably affected, you know, a good 20 to 30% change wow. of the study. Like it's that where people are like, oh, when I read this, I thought about this. And then you're like, oh, I want to include that. Or they say, this was really confusing. Or Mm -hmm. I don't know why you sent us here. I didn't catch that link. Or Mm -hmm. I feel like you've already asked this question five other times, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So hugely, hugely helpful. And for Encountering God, I actually did two. I did one group in their 20s. And then I did one group that I grew up with that were, they were at the, they were a little bit older than me when I was growing up, but they're all in their fifties. Interesting. And um, I wanted to see how they were interpreting the spiritual disciplines. And shockingly, um, some of the older ones would come back and be like, yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like this was, uh, I'm trying to think of like some examples, but where they're like, we feel like we kind of already have this, like under, you know, and then it was the younger ones that were like, no, this is good. Like we needed, and then vice, then it would split. You know? So that really helped too, to see how okay. they were taking it in, you know? Um, oh, that's super helpful. Well, how interesting. Well, Kelly, one of the things that, I mean, I feel like just as I was kind of learning more about you to prepare for this interview, I just realized what just overall a creative human you are. I mean, (laughs) you're writing, you're writing songs, you're playing your guitar, but you're also, you're cooking, you're gardening. I mean, you've got these (laughs) Bible studies and books, and a lot of our listeners might not even know you actually have published a cookbook as well. And so let's talk about that a little bit. What... um, uh, that is so what awesome. kind of like things are you <laughs> loving to cook? Well, I just like to cook for fun and for people to come over. Like I'm by no means, you know, um, 
by any means like a chef, but I did pair up with a friend of mine who is a chef, Regina Pinto. We go to the Amazon a lot together. We're in church together and she is, uh, she's from Brazil, but she studied in Italy and she's just incredible, incredible cook. And so she was really the brains behind the cookbook. And I was more like the, Hey, how do we make this accessible? And, you know, and I did the writing for it and things like that, but it's called a place at the table. And it is, I've got stories in there and everything. And then we have like nearly, I think a hundred recipes. So I like to do pastas. I like to do, um, pastas, probably like, like red sauces and things. I love soups. I could do soup any day (laughs) of the Mm -hmm. year. And, and I've been, I've actually started to make bread, which has been fun, like whole wheat Mm -hmm. bread and Mm -hmm. that's a whole thing. So yeah, I just, it's very tactile. I think for me, cooking and gardening are, they're the opposite of what I have to do for writing in school and study. Cause everything's, you're sitting there and it's just, you're all in your brain. Mm -hmm. And then I get out and I can like knead dough with my hands. I can cut the tomato plant. I can make a meal. It's very, it feel, it also feels like I'm preparing for social gatherings too. So I love to have people over. Um, so that really fills me. So I, those are just my hobbies that I enjoy. I hear you. So there's a chef on our campus, um, chef Virginia, she's awesome. And one time we were talking through a, a theology of community and how food is so essential to that. Like just, oh, yeah. just how in so many communities, food brings people together. Oh yeah. How has your cooking and sharing meals and community good for the Christian? And like, how have, how have you seen that impact your soul and your community and, you know? Oh yeah. I mean, I couldn't survive without it. I mean, truly like that is what feeds me more than anything. If you were to tell, if you were to say like, pick any favorite activity, I would Mm -hmm. say sitting down to a good meal with people that, you know, I love like mm-hmm. either believers or even if it unbelievers that when you have that opportunity to minister, you know, to people. Um, so I love it. I think there's something very um, inviting and about having people to your table, cooking for them really breaks down barriers. People feel comfortable mm-hmm. around food. If it, 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 it physically blesses them. And so then I think emotionally and mentally, they're more um, open to just, sharing and being together. And so that's my favorite thing to do mm-hmm. is to cook, have people over. Last night I went to some friend's house for dinner and it was just so lovely. I walked in, um, just husband and wife and they, he is a great, great cook. And like everything was just ready to go. And he was just serving, you know, his wife and yes. me. And I'm like, this is awesome. Like it was yes. just like, and it was really it. just, so, it was so refreshing. Like I left just going, okay, my soul needed that. It need, yes. I needed the fellowship, but the food was such a blessing too. So I, the reason I did the cookbook was I wanted to empower people to have people over to their homes, have mm-hmm. your neighbors over who don't know the Lord, have your church members over who do know the Lord, but you, you know, and, and you doesn't have to be fancy. You know, there's a lot of things in the, in the cookbook that are just easy to put together, but just people want to be at your table. They want to be mm-hmm. in a house. They want to be it's taken true. care of. So they want true. to be nourished. And, um, and you're, you know, Virginia that you're talking about, she's mm-hmm. exactly right. I mean, you go back in the, especially in the old Testament and just connect all these massive events that happened around food. Yes. Um, like where God moved in a ph- phenomenal way and it was at a feast or it was at a meal or it was at, you know, uh, or even it was just like bread was shared. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think it's huge. 
I think it's really important for people like me who really don't enjoy cooking. Um, <laughs> hey, that's to, no shame, yeah. To think about it, because in my mind, it's just another task. It's just another you task. Like in my, I do love to eat, and I love to be served good food. Some <laughs> people just don't really love eating, and I don't understand that. I don't, I don't either. I will say, Kelly, it is... I could do without it. I mean, this sounds yeah, ridiculous. Okay. I know no. because God made us, we need it. Um, we have to depend on food for our body. But you eat to live. I eat to live. I mean, yeah, no, I, exactly. I mean, I, I do know. enjoy a good meal, but I mean, most mornings I don't eat breakfast. If I eat lunch, it's like something fast. Um, but, you know, I mean, I love good cooking when I get it fresh, yeah. you know. Yeah. Um, so it's it's helpful for me just to think, I'm even just my own kids, like this is a nourishment for them and like creating, even just within our own family, having a vision for community within our own family. And it's not just, okay, so one more mom task I got to do, you know, the communal part is huge. And we, I grew up with family dinners. We sat down at the dinner table, which feels so old school, but I'm telling you, like, that was probably the most grounding thing for me. And, and I, I don't have children, so I can't imagine how hard that would be to pull that off. But I do, even around my friends and things, I, we cook. Yeah. Like Mm -hmm. we cook a lot and, um, and we get together and like I cooked last Saturday. Now it took me all day and I get it. Like I made Indian butter chicken and I had like my aunt and uncle, my parents over and everything. And we made like a, you know, fresh tzatziki sauce and all that. Now, I was at the grocery store from 7.30 in the morning to 9.30 in the morning. And then I was cooking like until everybody got there. And then I was doing dishes till 10. <laughs> you right. can't like do that every thing, day. Right. But it was like, I love it. Yeah. You know, I love it. I love my dad. who's just like so happy. He's like, oh, this is the best thing I've ever had. And I'm like, it's not. But that, I'm <laughs> glad to feel like it is, you know. And then my little nieces and nephews. Um, my niece Harper was over and I, and I said, guys, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. The presentation's a little bit like, it's a little bit of a mess. And she's nine. And she goes, aunt Kelly, you have nothing to be sorry about. Delicious. I love this kid, you know, like, just like give it to me like we yes. are. So that to you, like Courtney, just to your point, like it doesn't even have to be like great presentation, you know, but setting the table for people, I think just makes them feel like they have a place. And when I was a little kid, we would go around the, there's three siblings. We'd go around and we'd talk about our days and, and and, like, we would share Mm -hmm. about things that were going on. Whereas I'm not sure that we would have if we were all kind of scattered in passing, I don't know that it would have happened. Right. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, as you're sitting here talking, I just can't help but think of um, just First Corinthians ten thirty one that says, you know, whether you eat, drink, or whatever you mm-hmm. do, do it all to the glory of God. And how mm-hmm. even activities like cooking or gardening, out there working with your hands, um, can can be worship. And especially, oh, I mean, yeah. as you talk about, I mean, it sounds really as you're talking about community and setting a, a table for someone. It's just reminded me of the second grace commandment to to love our neighbor as ourself. And um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I just love thinking about that. And um, I need to think more about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, what would you say, Kelly, that we can learn about God through cooking, through gardening? Like, how can we image him through these things? I mean, think about like we think about the that he instituted all of this. And this was mm-hmm. even before the fall, like before sin entered the world, before brokenness 
Adam and Eve were tending, you know, to the garden and Mm -hmm. um, nourishing themselves. And so we see this all as part of God's good gift to us, even pre-fall. Like I, you know, and, and we see we see eating together, even think about Jesus sitting down so often at the table with sinners or, you know, tax collectors or Mm -hmm. just, or having a meal with his disciples or even, even communion. Like he could have done that a different way, but he gets wine, he gets bread. Um, so I just think, and then these ideas of hospitality and even gardening, like I get so much, um, teaching material out of being in the garden. You know, because, and even, and Jesus uses agrarian, earthy illustrations all the time because that was the culture. We're so far removed from that culture. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and I I remember one time being at the grocery store with my niece and I was like, we were getting the milk and I just, she was like five. And I was like, can you believe that this milk comes from cows? And she's like, Aunt Kelly, that is so silly. It comes from the grocery store. Wow. You know, and, <laughs> and so it's like, oh, oh my gosh. You know, and, and and then at one point I remember her thinking the chicken that we got from the grocery store was different than a chicken. Wow. Like she's like, those are two they're not the same right. things with the same name. And I'm like, no, it's the same thing. So we're so yes. we're, we're so far removed from all of this that sometimes those right. illustrations will fall flat for us. But when we're out in the garden, um, or you know, I'm envious of people who farm and stuff, but um, I'm sure I glamorize it in my mind. But there's so much of scripture that comes to life. And yes. you know, and even when Jesus says, like, the let the let the um the wheat and the tares, I think it just grow together. Like let it grow up together. Cause and I get it, because sometimes I'll think I'm grabbing a weed and I cut off part of my tomato because I, mm-hmm. it's also in there so thick and close. And I, I, I and wow. so sometimes you're like, you know what, I just have to let this kind of do its thing together. And, and, um, so there's just like little illustrations like that. Yeah. You just, you know, you're like, Oh, I think gardening is incredible. Like, and I also think there's like, there's a gift to, I love to cook, but I even love to in advance prepare these vegetables, these things by hand and yeah. then bring them in and cook them. I mean, that's yes. just, there's something extra beautiful, that farm to table notion. Yeah. And empowering, yes. which I think God gave it to us. I mean, it's empowering, not because like we figured this out, but because he allowed it to be, you know? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So, mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's shift and talk about your work with Justice and Mercy International. I mean, when mm-hmm. you go to your website, um, there's a huge boat. <laughs> there's a ship going down the Amazon. <laughs> I mean, this is another thing that our American <laughs> culture, we're not familiar with the Amazon. Like, what is going on? How are you serving down there? Um, mm-hmm. And can our listeners get involved somehow? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, thank you for bringing that up. Yeah. Justiceandmercy.org is the website. And yeah, we work in the Amazon and in Eastern uh, Europe country of Moldova, which a lot of you guys have probably seen Moldova recently because it borders Ukraine. So right. it is all of a sudden hit the news in a really big way. Um, we do two really different things in each country, but it's all bolstered and founded on the gospel. Um, but in the Amazon, yeah, we I got involved there through a record company president, actually, hmm. back in 2009 was my first trip. And that was kind of part of the story, too. Eventually, all those record deals led me to the Amazon. Wow in turn led, um, my best friend to take over that ministry and lead it. And Mm. now it's like quintupled in size over the last 10 years and stuff. Yeah. So God, 
there was a happy ending to that music thing. It wasn't just that it dissolved into nothing. It actually really <laughs> got brought me to the Amazon. But um, yeah, so the Amazon's, you know, 2000 miles long or something. It's ridiculous. There, it, There's hundreds of thousands of people that live along the banks. And most of them are um, just live in a lot of hopelessness and feel forgotten and, um, you know, don't have access to medical um, help and, and the gospel and all kinds of things. And so we have an indigenous staff in Manaus, which is the capital city of Amazonas. We have an amazing staff on the ground. And then one of our like key highlight things that we do is we do jungle pastors conferences there every year. We do a couple a year and we train, um, about 130 jungle pastors and their wives and, you know, single missionaries that are all indigenous to the culture and, or to, to the region. And they come, um, to a, a place that we own in the Amazon that's gorgeous, that sits on the river. And we retreat for a week or so, maybe five days. And we do a lot of training, encouraging, counseling. They bless us, I think, more than we bless them. Mm-hmm. They have such faith. It's incredible. And then um, then throughout the year, we take a lot of mission trips that um, go to those villages of those pastors wow. and just help encourage them and strengthen them. Um Something I'm doing uh, really soon is I'm taking our very first, uh, which we hope will be annual. It's called our study and serve trip. Mm. And I'm taking uh, 40 women from around the country that I do not know. And we are doing half retreat, half service on Week in the Amazon. And so we're hoping that this will be something that um, we can continue to do yearly. So I'm really pumped. I'm excited for these women. It's going to be an adventure like they've never experienced. But we're going to do like piranha fishing and jungle hiking and, you know, sunset, you know, seeing the river, swimming with the dolphins, you know, seeing God's nature, but then also having worship on the boat. Um, Angela Thomas Farr, who's another Bible teacher author, she's going to be, she and I are going to be doing the teaching. And then, um, and then like worship services at night, we're going to have some of our jungle pastors come on the boat and share. And then we're going to do service in the villages, you know, in the afternoon. So it's going to be cool. So is that full? Can women still sign up for that? Well, it is full and we're leaving in like four days. Okay. <laughs> so okay. It was a great question, Missy, because yes, I mean, our hope is that, um, our hope is that next summer, you know, that we'll just keep, we'll, we'll be able to run these, that this will be an annual thing. That's awesome. And, um, That's amazing. That, but yeah, we, I was surprised. Mm-hmm. I didn't think, I wasn't sure. I was like, I don't know that we'll be able to talk anybody into this. And we, like the boat filled up really fast. Wow. So I think there are enough women as crazy as I am to want to go down there and uh, do it. And can you say the name of the website to get connected with you again? Yes, it's justiceandmercy.org. And then okay. of course, my website is kellyminter.com and you can yes. get to Justice and Mercy through that. But it's exciting. And then for those who have hearts for uh, vulnerable children and orphans in Moldova. We've got four homes where we house teens that have come out of orphanages or have come out of abusive or abandoned homes. And now, now there's literally thousands upon thousands of Ukrainian refugees that we yes. are also have pivoted. We have 40 Moldovan staff there. Gosh, wow, wow. Staff. And so we were pivoting to partner with like Samaritan's Purse and World Vision um, to help with the refugee crisis. Cause right. now it was like double the children practically, or, you know, I don't, don't know that number, but it's, it's a lot, it's overwhelming. So exciting things going on in both 
hard things, but exciting opportunities for ministry going on in both countries. So I'm grateful for that outlet. Yeah, praise the Lord. Wow. Well, Kelly, as we close, which I cannot believe that, we, that this time has flown like this. This has been such a great conversation. Um, but as we close, what is one piece of advice that you would leave with women who want to honor God through their vocational calling? Well, I think, uh, Courtney, you already kind of touched on it, that verse about just whatever we do, do all mm. the glory of God. And I think that God has planted, I know that God has planted us. Um, some of us he's planted in, in, in churches and in ministry circles where we're mostly around believers, but other people he has absolutely planted in the workplace and in the secular workplace um, for us to be light. And, you know, I go back to Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. And that's a collective salt Mm -hmm. and a collective light. It's not just individual. We're to do this as the church and as the body, Mm -hmm. but each of us needs to be our contribution to that salt and to that light. And, and so I, you know, I think especially for those who are in, you know, secular vocation to not feel like you're doing less than, or that somehow you're not as effective. I mean, that is like the only light that, that those people may see and what an, what an, what an opportunity to affect change to, you know, invite people to church or to invite them to your table for a meal or to be there for them when life is really hard. And when they're lonely, we have, the hope of the gospel. And we have answers, not in ourselves, but Christ really does lay out answers for us and, and, and how to do life. And, and we as the church have that. So just encourage you just to lean in and to ask God for those opportunities and to do your work to the best of your ability. And, and that's a light that shines. I do too. Very no. missional. Sounds just very missional. Like you're going, you're an ambassador for Christ, no matter where you are right. and how you're serving and what you're doing. So, well, Kelly, yeah. thank you so much for coming on. This has been great. And um, just so grateful for your life and how the Lord has led you. And um, it's just been such an encouragement to us today. Uh, well, it has been so great. Both of you all have just been a bright spot for me. And um, I'm just so thankful to have had the opportunity for this conversation. And thanks to our listeners for joining us today. Be sure to check out our website at womenwork.net for today's show notes. There will be more information about today's conversation there. Do you long to study the Bible more deeply and be better equipped to teach God's Word? That's why Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary offers a variety of flexible degree options that empower you to do just that. Through its diverse selection of certificate programs, master's degrees, and advanced degrees, Southeastern desires to equip women to serve the church and fulfill the Great Commission. Southeastern believes that God has commanded each of us to go and make disciples by teaching His Word and sharing the truth about Jesus Christ. Southeastern would be privileged to play a part in your growth in His Word and your training to fulfill the Great Commission in all of life. To find out more, explore degree options, or to schedule a visit, check out sebts.edu. And please take a minute to subscribe to our show and also give us a rating and review so more listeners can find us. And with that, we hope you've been inspired to more confidently step into your God-given calling and view your work as meaningful to the kingdom of God. See you next time, friends.